Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Both of these nostrils are covered in this tissue, but both of them make our body do different things. They influence our body in different ways. So breathing in through the right nostril will heat the body up. It will increase heart rate. It will increase your blood pressure and it will stimulate more activity on the left or quote unquote analytical side of your brain. Now breathing through the left nostril in and out through the left nostril will calm the body down. Heart rate will go down. Blood pressure will go down. This seemed like total new age craziness until you look at the scientific literature and find that for the past 20, 30 years, there have been dozens of studies that have shown this, some conducted at, at prestigious institutions. Hej och välkommen till en ny säsong av Ingefär. Jag heter Sara Lossius och vårens första samtale, som är er episode 156 i rekken, är er med selveste James Nestor som gäst. Han är er författare av den bestsäljande och otroligt gode boken Breath. I löpa 2021 blir boken publicerad i hela 30 olika land, så det är er garanterat ikke sista gång du får höra fra James Nestor, men först i Norge på Ingefär. Samme vad vi spiser, hvor mye vi trener, hvor gode gener vi har, hvor tynne eller unge eller kloke vi er. Ingenting av det teller hvis vi ikke puster korrekt, skriver han i boken. Vi puster cirka 25 000 ganger i løpet av døgn, men puster vi så bra vi kan. Mitt personlige svar er dessverre nej. og svaret til James Nestor var det samme. Vi mennesker er faktisk de dårligste til å puste i hele dyrerikket. Och det har negativa konsekvenser i form av dårlig søvn, astma, allergier, snorking och søvnapne, for att nämna noe av det James skriver om i boken. Så hvordan blev det sånn? Og ikke minst, hvordan kan vi bli bedre til å puste? I samtalen med James Nestor lærer du mer om hvorfor det å puste med nesen er så viktig og hvorfor å puste med munnen er som att ha lungene som et eksternt organ på kroppen vår. Vi snakker om hvorfor tigging og hva slags mat vi spiser ikke bare er essentiellt for att puste godt, men det påvirker også formen på ansiktet vårt. Vi snakker om noen ulike pusteteknikker, og du får vite någon ganske så, vad skal jeg si, pirrende fakta om nesen vår. Og på torsdagens Ingefarsott får du vite mer om hans morgenrutine som innebär en helt speciell pusteteknik. 
I show notes ser du link till nettsidan till James Nestor med bland annat pustevideor och en rekke kilder. Och i show notes är er det också link till mitt ukentliga nyhetsbrev som heter Klem och pepp som ger ett klapp på skuldern och ett spark bak. Och spör du mig, tränger vi alla det i dessa tider. Men nu över till James. James, I'm so honored to have you on my show. Uh, your book Breath, I have to say, is one of the best books I've read so far this year. It's really good. Thank you very much. And um, the, the sad thing about reading your book is that I thought I was a good breather, and apparently I'm not, because I breathe with my mouth, especially when I sleep. And that, we shall learn today, is not a good thing. Mm. So first... Well, you- uh, you, you and so many other people breathe with their mouth, so yeah. uh, you know you, you're you're in good company with that. I know, and you were ter- in terrible breathing shape as well when you started the book. So true. Yes. So true. Let's start with the fact that humans are the worst breeders in the animal kingdom. How's that? Well, all you need to do, if you don't believe me, is just just look around. Um, you look at other animals. Look at horses when they're sprinting. Look at a cheetah when it's running 50 miles per hour. Uh, look at all other animals and they're breathing through their noses. And if you look at humans, about 25 to 50% of us during our conscious hours are breathing through our mouths. And then something to about 60 to 70% are breathing through their mouths when they're sleeping. So a lot of us wonder, well, who cares? We have a mouth, we can breathe through it. But these are entirely two different pathways through which to breathe air and we process that air in very different ways and this was something I'd never even heard about before I started researching this book because you started to research this book after or during when you wrote about free divers that's right so I had never seen anyone free dive before even though I've been surfing most of my life and in the ocean most of my life I didn't spend too much time below the surface done scuba diving a few times really enjoyed that but when I saw free divers and I saw what they were able to do holding their breath for five six seven eight minutes at a time diving to depths of the 100 110 meters 120 meters on a single breath of air I thought my god what what else don't we know about our breathing and our body's potential? And they were the ones who told me that breathing, you know, sure, you could use it for free diving, but you could also use it to heat your body up and to heal yourself of many chronic maladies, which as a science journalist sounded like complete garbage. But I went out into the field and found out that they were 100% true. Uh, can you tell us what's the negative side or the side effects of breathing through our mouths? Sure. So when we breathe through our mouth, we aren't filtering air. We're not humidifying it. We're not conditioning it in really any way before it enters our lungs. So if you live in a city like I do, and you're breathing through your mouth, you might as well have your lungs as an external organ just out in front of you because they're exposed to everything in the environment. When you breathe through your nose, I'm going to bring on my guest right now, you force air through this gauntlet of different structures, right? So it slows that air down and pressurizes it. It filters it. This is our first line of defense is our nose. 
And it also helps defend us against pathogens, bacteria, even viruses breathing through the nose. And I know this seems crazy. I'm not saying that breathing through the nose, you're not going to get any, you're never going to get sick if you breathe through the nose, nothing like that. But it does appear that it, it lessens the viral load and it allows you to gain about 20% more oxygen than breathing through the mouth. So obviously that's going to make a big difference. Mm. But when you started researching this book, you you met a Swede, Anish, and you conducted uh, an experiment. Can you tell us about that? So when I was first starting to research this, I looked around in various medical journals. I talked to my father-in-law, who's a pulmonologist, talked to my brother-in-law, who's an ER doctor, and I just couldn't get my head around so much of this science. It didn't make any sense to me, and I wondered if this is all true, Why isn't anyone talking about it? So I found a website of a guy named Anders Olsen, who's in Sweden. And he, you know, the website design, I was like, ah, I don't know. Do, do I believe this? But he had so many scientific references on his website. He was seemed like a real thinker. And I bought his book. He self-published a book and has something like 150 scientific references So I called him up because that's what I do as a reporter. I probably talked to 500, 600 people in the process of researching this book. And there was something about his story and about his approach and how reasonable and logical and data-driven he was that, that made me think that there might be a larger story here about breathing. So over months and months and months, we passed back and forth studies and talked and Finally, I got to know the chief of rhinology research down at Stanford, which is Stanford University, very close um, to San Francisco. And this guy's the, the leader in the field as far as nasal research is concerned. And he knows all the damage that's caused by breathing through the mouth, but he didn't know how soon that came on because no one had really done a study. So over months and months, uh, we developed an experiment and Anders Olsen from Sweden was the only person who signed up for this experiment. So on his own dime, uh, he paid for this himself. He flew out to San Francisco and spent a month out here um, testing how the pathway in which we breathe air affects the body and the brain. And the first two weeks was solely mouth breathing. Yeah, for about a week and a half, the first 10 days. So the experiment was 10 days long. We had to pay for the whole thing. Stanford, no one, no one paid for this. <laughs> And uh, it was it was not cheap. I'll tell you that much. And Anders brought all this machinery. Um, the downstairs of my house, which, which is where I am right now, was basically a lab setup. We tested ourselves three times a day. We tested our CO2 and our oxygen and our temperature and our nitric oxide and our blood glucose. I mean, you you name it. And so, you know, the first 10 days uh, of the experiment, we were just breathing through our mouths. And we were seeing that how that might affect our brains, how it might affect our bodies. In the other 10 days of the experiment, we would just be breathing through our noses or breathing through our noses as often as we possibly could, knowing that some air gets in through the mouth, not a big deal. And we would then compare data sets. And within that first 10 days, we knew it wasn't going to be fun. We had silicone up our noses or tape around our nostrils. And a lot of people think, oh, this is like some jackass, supersize me trick. Not really. If you think about 25 to 50% of the population is already breathing through their mouths all the time. Um, it was just really lulling ourselves into a position that so many people already knew the differences we were testing it. And the results? 
you got to read the book. You got to read the book. But you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. <laughs> so we, we knew it wasn't, it, you know, this was not going to be a picnic. We didn't know it was going to be so dr drastic. <laughs> Within about two hours, my blood pressure was as high as I've ever seen it in my entire life. 168 over like 110, which is like serious, serious high blood pressure. Never seen it that high. So I thought, oh, I'm just stressed out. Maybe there's some placebo effect going on. Then I went to sleep. It's hard to have a placebo effect when when you're when you're unconscious. And for the first time that I'm aware of, we took baseline data for about two weeks before this, uh, I started snoring. I snored for an hour and a half. And a few days later, I was snoring for four hours out of the night. And I talked to Anders. I said, are you snoring? He's like, yeah, not only am I snoring, I have sleep apnea. So we both got snoring and sleep apnea just by switching the pathway through which we, we breathe. And, you know, our study with two people didn't prove anything. This is stuff that scientists have known for decades and decades. When allergy season comes up, what happens? Snoring and sleep apnea uh, go up. Chron people with chronic sinusitis or asthma are more apt to have snoring and sleep apnea. So blockage in here ruins the aerodynamics in our airway. It causes obstruction and it allows us to our, have our tongues more easily drop into our throats, which, which causes us to choke on ourselves. <laughs> sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we, we didn't, again, we didn't discover anything, but it's something entirely different to feel it in your own body. Mm. And you also write in your, in your book that you're never going to try that experiment again with mouth breathing. I will never, I will never, ever do that again. And l let me tell you, I was really questioning my, my job and, and this idea within about three days, I said, how the hell are we ever going to get through this for, for another week? We're still laughing about it, but on the seventh or eighth day, we, we were not in good shape. And I just, I couldn't help thinking about all the kids who walk around chronically obstructed. They're never told that they should be breathing through their nose. They're sleepy. They're cranky. Their faces grow differently. When you breathe through your mouth for too long, when you're young, your face will actually form around that posture. So uh, it's just bizarre that this was something that uh, researchers and, and our ancient ancestors knew all about, but no one was really talking about it nowadays. You also write in your book that uh, there are more women and children that, uh, that are mouth breathers. Do you know why? Yeah, that's, that's right. I don't know specifically why. I don't know if anyone does. I think that children are more apt to have obstruction um, due to allergies, perhaps. Um, I think with women, it's more tied to anxiety. That's what I've talked to a few researchers who, when we are anxious, we breathe too much. It's a stress response. And by breathing too much, we make ourselves more anxious. So it's this very terrible negative feedback loop that we create in our own bodies. We have to talk about better breathing instead of all this negativity. Um, I find it interesting that we all breathe but we still need to learn how to breathe. Yeah, well, um, I, I agree. I've been breathing my whole life. I thought I was doing it well enough. You know, I'm here, I'm mm -hmm. alive. But uh, you can just think about eating, right? So we can get by eating whatever, 20 Twinkies a day, eating just cookies. That doesn't mean it's good for us. Our bodies will compensate, we'll get by. And the fact that we've had to reteach ourselves how to eat, what proper foods are to eat, kind of says it all. Our ancestors never had to do this because they evolved in an environment where they were eating a balanced diet. That's how 
humans evolved as a species. But now we're going back in time to say, hmm, how should we eat? Paleo diet, keto diet, <laughs> you know, um, we're including supplements and vitamins in our diets because those vitamins and other nutrients are absent from the modern cuisine. So it's, it's, it's bizarre and, and just like exercising as well. You know, we've had to reteach ourselves what it's like to move our bodies. So we put treadmills in our houses to simulate walking around on a savanna, <laughs> you know. So uh, along those lines, yes, we, we do have to retrain ourselves to, to breathe. We're completely divorced from how we should be naturally breathing in, in the healthiest way. Mm. Could you tell us about how uh, fantastic our nose is? <laughs> <laughs> Our nose is a, is a fantastic thing. It doesn't get a lot of respect. Here in the United States, there's 26 different departments of the National Institutes of, of Health, and the nose isn't represented in any of them. And as I mentioned before, if, if you're not breathing through your nose, you're exposing your body to so many allergens and pollutants, and you're also allowing yourself to breathe too much. So there's no resistance when you go... <gasps> Try doing that through your nose. The nose is this gauge that keeps our breathing in control for us. It forces us to breathe more slowly. And this allows us to get more oxygen and it calms the body down. So when we're not breathing through the nose, there's just this open gasket, this open faucet that allows too much air in. And by breathing too much air, it's harder for you to get oxygen. That's so counterintuitive, but that's how it works. I find, uh, I've, after reading your book, I've been really conscious about how I breathe. And I have a kid, 16 months. So when I uh, put her in the stroller and go for a walk, I often feel that I don't get enough oxygen when I breathe through my nose. Is it a mental thing or is it, what do you think? So what's triggering that need to breathe right now, if you exhale and hold your breath, that need to breathe is not triggered by oxygen. It's triggered by an increase of carbon dioxide. So a lot of people, when they are struggling to breathe, they say, I can't, I can't breathe. I'm not getting enough oxygen. Oxygen most often is not the problem. It's that increase of carbon dioxide. And so many of us are so sensitized to carbon dioxide that even if we just hold our breath for a few seconds, we go, I can't breathe. I don't have oxygen. So uh, something you can do just to prove to yourself that you have oxygen is get a pulse oximeter. I had one over here. I don't right now. It's about $15 here in the US, might, might be a little more in Norway because everything's more expensive in Norway. Um, at least that was my experience when I was there years ago. So you can just put this thing on your finger and you can see your oxygen levels. And um, I've, I guarantee that oxygen isn't gonna be the problem there, breathing through the nose. Your oxygen levels are very likely gonna be just fine. It's that increase of CO2 that's causing you to breathe. now. Some people with chronic nasal obstruction or structural issues in their noses can really have a hard time breathing through their nose and they need to practice it for, for months and months sometimes to acclimate themselves. But everyone's different. So that pulse oximeter is a good thing to have. But when, when I feel the need to breathe through my, my mouth, should I instead shut my mouth and breathe through my nose? Or what's your Every advice? 
Everybody is different, okay? Um, and there's no blanket prescription for everyone. When I'm talking about mouth breathing, I'm talking about chronic mouth breathing. So right now, I'm breathing through my mouth a little bit, right? When I laugh, ha ha ha, I'm breathing through my mouth. My sigh, I'm breathing through my mouth. Some yoga exercises, pranayamas, have you <sighs> breathe through your mouth. Totally fine. The breathing I'm talking about is that chronic breathing, how you breathe the other 95% of the day, especially at night. You should not be breathing through your mouth at night, ever. While exercising, if you get up to you know zone four, zone five, when you're really working out really hard, it's fine. There's a time and a place for everything, including mouth breathing on occasion, as long as you are conscious of it. But few of us get up to those levels. This is stuff for like elite athletes who are really know how to push it. But if we're just walking around, even if we're walking up a hill, we should be breathing through through our noses. But but don't force yourself to do this immediately. It takes a lot of time to to break a habit and to acclimate your body. Can you tell us about the role of CO2 in our body? So CO2 gets this really bad rap as this toxic molecule that is wreaking havoc around the world with climate change which is true. And if you don't believe me, then you obviously haven't haven't looked at the actual science here. So there's too much CO2 in the atmosphere. It's causing global warming and climate change, acidity of the ocean. We know all that. There's thousands of studies proving that. But a lot of us have now considered CO2 a toxic substance in our bodies. Like you need to get all the CO2 out of your body. We have a hundred times more CO2 in our body than we have oxygen. So CO2 plays a, a valuable, extremely valuable role in our bodies because it allows oxygen to disassociate from red blood cells into our hungry cells. So without CO2, oxygen stays in our red blood cells. That's how it works. And you don't want that. You want your blood to be rich with oxygen, but that oxygen needs to go somewhere. It needs to fuel the cells in your tissues and muscles and elsewhere in your body. And that's where CO2 is so important, having a balance of CO2. You don't want too much CO2. You don't want too little. You want a balance. And so many of us have too little because we breathe too much. You talk about uh, breathing too much in your book. How do I know if I breathe too much and what's the effects on our body? It's very hard to tell. Um, mm. First of all, you can look at your respiratory rate. You can use a wearable. Um, but just looking at respiratory rate, that's just looking at your rate of breathing. It's not looking at the volume of your breathing. So even if you breathe in a shorter respiratory rate, fewer breaths per minute, if you're taking these huge breaths, you're still over breathing. So one of the quickest ways without buying a bunch of equipment and spending thousands and thousands of dollars on this, you can just condition yourself to breathe through your nose. It's much harder to hyperventilate breathing through your nose. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you have to consciously try. So the nose is this natural buffer for air. It's our natural guardian of, of our breath, not only for all the crap in the air, but for how we're breathing. Mm -hmm. So it really starts with that. If you become a habitual nasal breather, you're probably 70, I'd even say 80% there. Um, then after that, you can fine tune your breathing. You can start looking at your tidal volume. You can start looking at your respiratory rate. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I have, a, I have a question about our nose again. Because if I uh, breathe through my left nostril, something other than my right nostril happens. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so... Our nostrils, this is where this research got so weird. Uh, it turns out our nostrils are covered with an erectile tissue. That's the same erectile tissue that's in our genitals. And there is no organ more closely connected to our genitalia than our noses. So our noses engorge with blood to block up and they also become dilated and, and open up. So this is why uh, women tend to get more congested in their menstrual cycle towards the end of their cycle because so many different hormones start flooding into the body that can congest the nose. And doctors back in the day used to do surgery and take out this nasal tissue here. And many women claimed it, it had an amazing effect for them. But nonetheless, um, both of these nostrils are covered in this tissue, but both of them make our body do different things. They influence our body in different ways. So breathing in through the right nostril will heat the body up. It will increase heart rate. It will increase your blood pressure and it will stimulate more activity on the left or quote unquote analytical side of your brain. Now breathing through the left nostril in and out through the left nostril will calm the body down heart rate will go down, blood pressure will go down. You'll stimulate more of the right, quote unquote, creative side of the brain. This seemed like total new age craziness until you look at the scientific literature and find that for the past 20, 30 years, there have been dozens of studies that have shown this, some conducted at, at prestigious institutions by real leaders in the field. So it's basic physiology. Yogis have been writing about this for well over a thousand years how the nostrils do these different things, which is why in yoga class, if you've ever done alternate nostril breathing, that's just hacking this natural rhythm that the body already has. I told a friend today that uh, the nose and uh, our genitalia, I don't know if I said that right, was the kind yes. of the same. She was completely amazed. It's, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well if, if people don't believe me, uh, you can look up a syndrome called honeymoon syndrome. So what this is, is when some people have too close of a connection, and when they get overly uh, activated in their nether regions there, um, they will start sneezing uncontrollably because their noses start clogging up. Most of us luckily don't have that close of a connection. 
But um, uh, scientists have known this for, for more than 100 years. They've been writing about this. Interesting. And um, you talked about food and chewing. Uh, what kind of food we eat, what kind of food we give our children has an effect on how we breathe. Sure. So there, there's a reason we didn't, uh, I didn't mention this before, but there's a, there's a reason why so few of us breathe in a healthy way, why so many of us have obstructions in our airway, why we snore and have sleep apnea, chronic sinusitis, chronic rhinitis, on and on. It's because our faces, our mouths are drastically different than our ancestors just a few hundred years ago. I had a hard time believing this when I first heard it until I went to the Morton Collection at the University of Pennsylvania and hung out with a few experts who took me into this room that was just filled with ancient skulls, like hundreds of these things behind cabinets. And there were skulls from Africa, from Asia, and from South America and the US. And they were all ancient skulls, so pre-industrial, and they all had perfectly straight teeth, every single one of them. They had these very attractive, wide faces, pronathic faces, powerful jaws. So if you look at a modern skull, about 90% of us have some crookedness in our teeth. Um, we are no longer sharing in this, this powerful jaw structure, what's called a pronathic face. Our faces are growing backwards. And, and again, all you need to do is go online and look at ancient skulls and look at their teeth and look at their skeleture and see that this, this is true. So what happened a few hundred years ago is industrialized foods started flooding into our food supply. And as soon as that happened, teeth started to get crooked. Because what happened is with the lack of chewing and deficiencies in vitamins and minerals, we don't get the stress we need early on to develop that wide mouth, okay? We don't chew. All of this stuff or the, the majority of it is soft. And we, if we don't chew, we don't signal our bodies to create more bone, more musculature. And with this, within a single generation, our teeth will grow crooked. So about 50% of a population will have crooked teeth. And we have crooked teeth because our mouths are too small. And when you have a mouth that's too small, you have a smaller airway. When you have a smaller airway, it makes it harder to breathe. So this shouldn't be very controversial because you can look at skulls and look at, look at what's happened. Our, especially the upper palate of our mouths has been growing smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So, so much of this is tied to chewing. It's tied to breastfeeding early on because they've done various studies where you can see that kids who are breastfed versus those who are bottle fed, breastfed kids will have less uh, chance of having snoring and sleep apnea later on in life. I've also heard from various dentists, they will have different faces, wider mouths, because they're forcing their mouth out a, a couple of hours, every couple of hours, they're vigorously working these muscles, mm. right? And these bones and forcing their face to to come out. So, and then after that, you have to have healthy chewing to develop that proper skeleture. So even though smoothie can be a healthy food, it's not the best for our system. I have a smoothie right here. I had one today time. as well. Um, <laughs> yes, this, if our ancestors saw this, <laughs> I think they, they would be cracking up because, uh, even what's considered healthy food, avocados out here in California, that's basically the majority of my calories, uh, 
oatmeal, smoothies, yogurt. Hmm, what's going on here? All of this stuff is soft. And our ancestors chewed for about three to four hours a day, every day. Mm -hmm. And by chewing that much, you build up the proper growth in your face. And that's how we evolved. Um, all of our ancestors before modern industrialized humans had straight teeth. So there's something going on here. Can you, do you look at other people's faces now and think, oh, she's got a really big problem with mouth breathing or can you, do you do that? Well, <laughs> I've, I've felt extremely guilty because once you start seeing this stuff, you can't unsee it. And uh, I've heard this from so many people. Uh, I am victim to this more than more than anyone, okay? I had an extremely small mouth, ext extractions, braces, headgear, slept like this. <sighs> so, you know, I am I, I I am as susceptible. My my mom bottle fed me, you know, from after six months. She's just like, nobody breastfed back back then. Um, so I'm not blaming anyone. There, there's no finger pointing here. I'm just saying. We're in an, in an environment where our bodies are really struggling right now. We've created an environment that has forced us to constantly be stressed and to struggle. And so much of that is tied to our breathing. Mm. So not only have, have our faces and mouths and airways changed and made it harder for us to breathe, but look at us right now, sitting in chairs, hunched over. Even if I wanted to take a big, deep breath, it'd be hard to do that. So this is not how our bodies were designed in, in evolution. And that's why we have so many chronic problems. The majority of chronic diseases are tied to our environment. What do you think about our cell phones? Because I, I'm guilty as uh, all well, everyone, I guess, but I'm looking at my cell phone a lot. And then I have like this posture. What do you think? Yep. It's awful. And speaking of that, I'm just going to make sure mine is off so it doesn't ring again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's a terrible posture. Here's here's why. So when your head is aligned with your spine, your body is able to support that weight. Human head weighs what? 10 pounds, 12 pounds. I guess that would be six, six kilos or so. Um, when we hang it over like this, it's the equivalent of 50 pounds of weight that our bodies have to compensate to keep up. A lot of that stress occurs in our lower backs and the back of our necks. And when you're forcing the nerves along the spine to be bent like this, they malfunction, which is one of the reasons why so many of us can get migraines, this constant posture like this. And it's another reason so many of us are having lower back issues because we're hunched over like this. If you look at statues, or if you look at hunter-gatherers, the few that are left on our planet right now, and you look at how they um, are grabbing things from the ground, how they're walking around, they are perfectly straight, perfectly aligned. Even when they're bending down, their backs are perfectly straight. Mm. If you look at us now, I mean, I'm a great example. We're hunched over like this, our shoulders are forward, our head is out, we're looking at our phones. This is terrible, and no one's going to argue otherwise, right? It's just, what are we doing about it? Not a lot. No, not a lot. We have to talk about better breathing uh, for the nerds out there. Uh, so I attended uh, a Wim Hof um, 
uh, workshop. I think it was four years ago in Norway. And then uh, and I, he has also um, been here at my show. And that's a technique. I was wondering if you could um, tell us about that one and then maybe another one that is good for us. Yeah, so I've been talking a lot about breathing techniques that are very good to calm the body down, how we should all be breathing, whether we're an asthmatic or an ultra marathoner or or a baby or an or a senior, it doesn't matter. We can all benefit from breathing through our nose, breathing in fluid rhythmic patterns, slowly and deeply, not too much, right? Everyone can benefit from that. But then you get stuff like Wim Hof or Tumo or Pranayama or Sudarshan Kriya. And this is the exact opposite of this breathing, right? Wim Hof is, everybody breathe. Yes. But there's a, there's a difference because this is a breathing technique you are consciously doing. You're not doing this unconscious. You are purposely stressing your body out. A lot of people think, why do I want to stress my body out? I'm already stressed throughout the day. The point of these breathing techniques is to focus and compound that stress to a very short amount of time. For 20 minutes, you go for it. You completely stress your body out so that for the rest of the day, all that stress is gone and you can walk through the day and be extremely calm. So I do breathing almost every morning. I do Kundalini breathing. I get a lot of benefits from it. There's a lot of science behind it. Some of that is through your mouth. Some of that is over breathing. And again, perfectly fine when you are conscious of it. So I've talked with Wim. I was just talking with him a couple of days ago. Amazing guy. He's done more for breathing awareness than anyone in the last hundred years, I would argue. But what people don't see about Wim is they don't see him the rest of the time when he's not on stage putting his hands up, you know, and yelling for everyone to breathe. He is so chill. He's breathing through his nose. He's humming a lot. He's breathing extremely slowly. So there are different tools that you can use for breathing. And you can lull yourself into different states just by breathing. Different brain states, different states of digestion, of circulation, of heart rate, of stress if you want. That's what's wonderful about this is, is breathing is vast. It's not a binary thing. You're either doing it or you're not. There are so many permutations. But when I do the Wim Hof technique and then I hold my breath for two minutes or something, what? why is that good for me? For mm. first, I think it's a mental thing that I uh, find it really interesting that I don't need to breathe. So it's a really calm state to be in. But what else is happening? So his technique, he's very clear about this too. He did not invent this technique, okay? This stuff has been around for, for thousands of years and he's a good student of yoga. So found something that really worked for him and was able to disseminate it throughout the world, which is awesome. But what you find when you start looking at these various techniques is in different cultures at different times, they all develop the same techniques for activating the body and then calming it, where you breathe a lot and then you don't breathe at all. And then you breathe a lot and then you don't breathe at all. So what you're doing is you are allowing your body to turn stress on and then showing your body how to turn it off. 
So you breathe for those 30 big breaths. You hold, right? And so right there, you can acclimate yourself to what it feels like to be stressed and then not to be stressed. On That's what's happening on a neurological level. On a biochemical level, what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to become more acclimated to different levels of carbon dioxide, okay? The oxygen doesn't change that much. It, I, during, during the breath hold, it can if you're really good at this. So you over-breathe, you've got plenty of oxygen, but you have very low CO2. The moment you hold your breath, that oxygen, oxygen will stay pretty consistent at the beginning, but your CO2 will start rising, right? Mm -hmm. Then after a while, the oxygen will start falling. So you just put yourself on this teeter-totter where you acclimate yourself to these different levels of these gases so that when you're running or when you're stressed, you don't freak out. You don't feel that need to breathe because again, it's that healthy level of CO2 that is so important for our mental health and physical health. Yeah, that was the question. So if I do more Wim Hof breathing, because I don't do it regularly, but I'm trying now after reading your book in this interview, would I be a better runner or row better at my rowing machine? Well, everyone's different. You, you know, um, I know that a lot of people, a lot of professional athletes get a lot of benefit from doing Wim Hof's uh, method of breathing. I can tell you that if you start conditioning yourself with breathing, incorporating some breath holds into what you're doing, um, incorporate nasal breathing, you're, there is a very good chance your performance is going to go way up. Your recovery time is going to go way down. And this has been proven so many times and anecdotally, and then with a few studies showing that VO2 max will increase, that you can gain more red blood cells, which allows you to carry more oxygen, which allows you to go further. Mm -hmm. You develop much more efficiency in your lungs so that after workout, you're not hacking or throwing up. You are stable and you feel good about it. So you, you think that there's there's like 11 pounds of uh, six kilos of muscles that operate our respiratory system, right? And we work out, especially these gym guys are working out, you know, working out their arms, they're working out their pecs, they're working out their wrists. They're not thinking about what's driving all the energy into their bodies and all of the other muscles in the respiratory system that that allow us to breathe that flex when we breathe you have to be working out those as well mm -hmm. if you really want to get ahead and you know you can get through a workout or a run if you're not breathing efficiently because our bodies are great at compensating but that doesn't mean you're doing this in a healthy way or are going to allow yourself to continue doing it when you get older mm -hmm. When working on the book, what surprised you the most with all your research or your findings? Maybe a hard question, but. Um, it all surprised me. Um, the way that nonfiction works is you submit about a 50 to 60 page proposal. Then you sell that proposal and then you go out and spend how many years in the field writing the book per that proposal. So I thought I had breathing all figured out. I spent about six months on this proposal. Right. I said, oh, I'm just going to follow this. It's going to all be easy. Within a few months, I had to throw out everything I had worked on because it, this book kept taking these left turns where I was like, this can't be possible. You can't heal yourself with breathing. There's the study. You can't heat yourself with breathing. These monks can't sit in the snow for eight hours and melt a circle around their bodies. That's impossible. There's the study. There's the videotape. So um, 
you know, that's not a good answer, but it all surprised me. But I guess what surprised me the most were these people who had overcome illnesses that they were told were incurable, be it asthma, be it autoimmune issues, who now have zero symptoms of their illnesses because of breathing. The only thing they changed was their breathing. Mm -hmm. And to me, I said, this, this can't be right because if this is true, then everyone should be doing this, right? Um, the science backs it up. There's 500 studies on, on my website. And yet the thing that shocked me most was how few people were talking about this. And even my father-in-law, who I mentioned, pulmonologist, works with the lungs, right? Does not know what healthy breathing is. He's concerned if you're breathing or if you're not breathing. If you're not breathing, go to a pulmonologist. They're going to fix you up. But does not know the permutations between how you should breathe with asthma, how you should breathe with COPD, how you should breathe while running. Because that's not his job. Again, not pointing fingers here. That's not his, his job is, is emergencies is when you're really sick and you can't breathe, see a pulmonologist. But um, so I guess that was the most surprising thing of how powerful this stuff is and yet how little we're talking about it. How can I ensure that the, I have three daughters? How can I ensure that they breathe properly? Number one thing. Um, so <laughs> kids, kids know how to breathe, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, And infants know how to breathe unless there's a structural issue. And they've documented that around five or six years old, kids start looking at adults and adopting mm -hmm. to their habits. So that's when they lose this natural ability to breathe. Look at an infant breathing, beautiful diaphragmatic breaths down into the belly. You know, look at a dog breathing, look at a horse breathing, any other animal. And then when we start walking around and learning what stress is and sitting in chairs, our breathing goes to hell. So I think the number one thing to do, you know what it is by now. Mm. Breathe through the nose. That's the first one. Have to be breathing through the nose, especially at night, breathing through the nose. Everybody, breathe through your nose. After that, posture is very important. So just like my mom used to say, you know, shut your mouth and sit up straight. Actually, pretty good advice. I don't know if that's too politically correct now, but that's what I was told, <laughs> told all the time. Um, and, and, you know, looking for breathing abnormalities. So many kids now have sleep apnea or have dysfunctional breathing at night, and they're not Uh, looked at for that. So uh, what that relates to is ADHD. We know direct links between sleep disorder, breathing, ADHD, um, fatigue, uh, bedwetting, all of these things are related to the sympathetic drive, which is directly tied to breathing. So we're so good at fixing all those little band-aids, those little symptoms. But the core thing is you will never, ever be healthy if you're not breathing easily. We breathe 20,000 times a day. Kids mm -hmm. breathe even more than that. If you're doing that in an unhealthy way, it's going to break your body down. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what I would say is make sure you're, there's no obstruction, uh, which is so common now. Breathe through your nose and, and watch the posture, especially early on, develop good habits. Mm -hmm. And give them proper food to chew on. And Maybe. make them eat actual food. Uh, this is shocking to a lot of us. To me, who grew up on canned vegetables and, you know, frozen taquitos and all this other crap, um, there's 
there's a reason why, again, why our ancestors all, all had straight teeth. And uh, it's so odd that it's now considered abnormal to move a kid from when they're weaning on, you know, we've conditioned ourselves to just say, oh, it's only natural to eat soft foods, applesauce. What did all of our ancestors do <laughs> before the last 50 years, right? They weaned directly onto hard foods. Um, so that's called baby led weaning. There's real experts in that field. I'm not one of them, but it makes perfect sense to me. Same. James, thanks for um, making us uh, a little bit wiser about the breathing. And I guess uh, most of us now are trying to breathe through our nose the rest of the day. Do you recommend, by, by the way, taping our mouths during nighttime? Or how do you? You know, uh, I found that to be very effective. Um, everyone's different. Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't want to tape their kids' mouths, or or maybe they they sometimes do at times. Oh, no, I'm thinking about myself now, not my kids. Which is okay. Yeah. But I will mention uh, four kids. Patrick McEwen, this breathing therapist, had chronic asthma, and now has taught like tens of thousands of people how to get over asthma. He developed this stuff called MyoTape, where you put it around your mouth. This is kid size, right? Put it around your mouth. You can open your mouth at any time, but it just trains you to keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. So for adults, I've found that using a little piece of tape, this is not a, a big you know, strip of duct tape or something, but a little piece of tape about the size of a postage stamp here in the US. You just put it here. That's it. <laughs> I know, super stupid, but this is a pandemic. We're all sitting at home anyway. Mm -hmm. um, to do this at night, helps you train your mouth shut. Huh. It's better to, to start in the daytime, do it for 30 minutes, then do it for an hour, and then move into using it at night. And I can't tell you how many people have written me who said they used to snore, even mild to moderate sleep apnea. They don't have either of those things. I don't want to say this is going to do everything for everyone, but it's free. It's easy. And if it can help you become a nasal breather, then that's a good thing. I'm going to try it for sure. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Det var alltså James Nestor författare av boken Breath och länk till James finner du i show notes. Husk ingefär shot på torsdag med boktips, morgonrutiner och bästa råd från James. Inte vi hörs. Pust med näsen och ta vare på dig själv och dig du är glad. Ha det. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.